0: This week's episode of Walking Through the Stargate is sponsored by Asgacorp, makers of the Asgard Personal Invisibility Shield. Perfect for navigating the holiday season. Visit their Earth-based store just outside Cheyenne Mountain, Colorado, or shop online at asgacorp.co.odinson. Thank you, Asgacorp, for sponsoring this episode.
1: What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 Lock. <gasps>
2: So walking through the Stargate, I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 60, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Maternal Instinct. And since we have a new inch, well, okay, so Zach, um, you know, now yes. we're recording. It is uh, It is 2020. Happy New Year.
0: Happy and
2: uh, Stargate Command has officially shuttered its uh, services for boo. streaming content. Yeah, kind of boo. Um, and so uh, I remembered this. I think I remembered this yesterday. And so so I knew that I can stream episodes of Stargate SG-1 on Amazon Prime and on Hulu. And I can also purchase the season digitally through um, uh, the apple itunes whatever store i don't even know if they call it itunes store anymore but whatever anyway i decided to do the hulu route but earlier zach you know this but our listeners don't so i'm gonna enlighten them you and i were talking about how uh i was watching the episode and i noticed that there is a new intro Um, and i don't know if it's uh or you know the title credits uh i don't know if it's uh hulu specific or if it's like no for real at this point in season three they are rolling new title credits but uh it's a real slow pan across an egyptian sarcophagus mask thing pharaoh face um and uh so dear listeners if i'm sort of out on a limb watching my own little thing you know there's that but uh it inspired me zach to change our intro okay So instead of launching into where people can find us, I'm going to say this. Uh, Heavily cues taken from a very good podcast that I like to listen to, also based in the Pacific Northwest. But anyway, all right. We're an independent... uh, Not contractor.
0: Contractor? We're not an independent contractor.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Let me try that again. Ready? Here we go. We're an independent podcast, Zach. Woo! You can find us on Patreon. We finally launched that thing. We'll talk more about it in a second. But the link I'll put in the show notes. And folks, uh, your support keeps the show going because every dollar you contribute right now goes directly to Zach's new computer, which he needs. Desperately. Desperately. Yes. <laughs> so... Um, you will always find our show in the standard places that one can find a podcast. It will, it's on Google podcasts and on Spotify podcasts and Apple podcasts and pretty much every other podcast aggregator. You can find us walking through the Stargate bank. There we are. Uh, but don't forget if you leave a review on Apple podcasts, we will create a dramatic recreation just for everyone who does it. So, (laughs) <laughs> so there's that. So uh, so Zach, uh, after a person finds us on Patreon and totally says, I like you guys so much, I'm going to give you some of my hard-earned cash, and they wanted to brag to us about it, how how might they get a hold of us?
0: Well, the best way to get a hold of us is via email. You can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Uh, it is spelled exactly as you would expect it to. Uh, yes. If you look at Our podcast, your podcast aggregator, when it looks at us, it's spelled right there, walking through the Stargate at Gmail. Well, I'm walking through the Stargate, and then you can add at (laughs) gmail.com, because you are smart listeners. Very smart. I trust you. You can also find us on Twitter, at Stargate Walking and on Facebook, we've got a Facebook page, Walking Through the Stargate, and a Facebook group, Uh, and of course, uh, for those of you who uh, join us for this Patreon thing, there'll certainly Mm -hmm. be some chatter and stuff happening there
2: absolutely yeah the, uh the, the the sort of the, the brutal fact is that uh we will be learning we're going to be growing together we're, we're all we're all in this together Zach uh Indeed. The, uh the the engagement <laughs> it's so it's so web two point um the the engagement <laughs> Uh, is www- is something WW still means World Wide Web. Oh boy. Um anyway, we're gonna we're gonna be figuring this thing out as we go along. But so also we wanted to talk a little bit about the Patreon. Um Zach did a lot of work setting this thing up. Thank you very much, Zach. Um cool. Uh it's deeply appreciated that I don't have to necessarily do too much on that one. I did have to look up some things myself, but um We, uh, he and I talked quite a bit, Zach, you'll be able to speak more eloquently to this because you have been the one setting it up, but we have different tiers and we also have different, uh, what do we call them? Goals, right? Goals. Got goals. Yep. Goals and tiers. Yep. Uh, and, uh, do you want to walk us through, uh, some of those, uh, some of those tiers?
0: Sure. We have, uh, five tiers. Uh, the first tier is our gate joggers and gate joggers. That's just $3 per month. Uh, we'll give you a thank you because we love you a lot. Um, And at the Gate Jogger, now I have to uh, go on a little bit of a uh, tangent here. Uh, We uh, have added a couple of uh, uh, advertisers. You'll notice last time we met, and today we've been sponsored by Asgacorp uh, (laughs) and their personal Invisible Shield. Uh, Mm -hmm. We thank Asgacorp for their help. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Asgacorp. (laughs) uh, So for all of you listening out there, please tell us, where we can find other producers of things that can yeah. uh, help support us. Um, you know, we've heard rumblings that maybe the Tolana could assist us. We've heard rumblings mm. um, about. Let me look at my notes here because I can't think things straight. You know, maybe Michello has some things that'd be value. Maybe he'd be able to help us out, or or the gamekeeper. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe the Bedrosians get their act together, and they'll be nice enough to help us out with things. And, of course, there's plenty more. So everybody, we invite everybody to please come and let us know um, uh, who might be good uh, patrons, good people to uh, sponsor our show. Uh, I think, Brent, we talked about uh, creating a Google Doc. uh, where People could fill that out. We haven't gotten that set up yet. Uh, So for right now, go ahead and just email it to us. That'd be perfect. And then for those gate joggers out there, we will, at appropriate times, ask you to help us figure out who is going to be the advertiser, the sponsor for our show. And you can participate in that, and we'll have votes up for that uh, as we go. So that's our gate jogger uh, tier. Then we have the ten dollar mm-hmm. tier, and this one we we just this is here to help Zach get a c- new computer even faster,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Uh, and this in here, the <laughs> gate sprinters. Uh, that was the gate. This is the gate sprinters. The gate sprinters at ten dollars a month. They can. They get everything the joggers get, uh, yeah. but they also can help us with a recount. Mm-hmm.
1: Some people
0: out there have said Brent. Giving Bane seven chevrons is absolutely ridiculous. No, it's not. Well, and for those who are at a gate sprinter, each month they will get to vote on a, uh, an episode. And when an episode gets enough votes, mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking that number is probably going to be 10. Uh, mm-hmm. When a single episode gets 10 votes, uh, we will do a special podcast Re-reviewing an episode of your choice and perhaps giving it new ratings and all of that stuff. Yep. <clears throat> um, and totally those will. podcasts there will be on the Patreon feed, so that'll yes. be its unique feed that that uh, all Patreon subscribers will get access to that feed uh, at least to start. Uh, did I get everything on that one there, Brent?
2: I uh, I think so. Um,
0: okay, and now we have three other feeds, or uh, three other <laughs> tiers. We've got the gate marathoners. We've uh-huh. got the gate ultra marathoners, uh-huh. and we've got the gate space racers. And let's be honest, huh? folks; those are a lot bigger numbers per month. And if you want to support us at those higher numbers, oh, we yeah. say thank you very much. Oh,
1: and
2: we boy. will
0: totally figure something cool and awesome for you. <laughs>
2: It's <laughs> one of those things like if we if we get folks at that level it'll be a surprise. I'll, you know, just say it like that. And it'll be a happy surprise. Oh boy, and you guarantee we will figure we will we will delight in figuring out a special way to say thanks. No question about it.
0: And uh and you will be invited to participate in that conversation
2: mm-hmm. at those levels. So And an important thing to sort of recognize is, you know, like our podcast is small and it's mighty and we enjoy doing it quite a lot and half of this stuff is basically experiment and so you know as we kind of trundle along if we discover that you know there's been a bit of a misstep or I don't know what but you know what I mean um, part of our experience is to just you know roll with a punch grow with it and, and and carry on from there like we're having such a good time with this the folks that are uh, uh, emailing and chatting with us are fantastic it's it's a delight to do it and uh, is this going to be the way that it is permanently? I don't know. Um, but uh, we're giving it a shot and uh, seeing how far we can get with it. And I think it's for a noble cause because if Zach doesn't have a good working computer, he <laughs> can't talk with me on a recording basis. <laughs> and then it's just me. <clears throat> it's just me talking into a mic, talking to myself. I'll put sock puppets on my hands and say, how were, Brent, What did you think about this episode? Well, Brent, I thought this episode was fantastic. Like that's boring. Nobody wants Brent? to hear that. Zach.
0: I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be kicked off of the the podcast, but but that would be hilarious to watch.
2: Um, <laughs> look, just because I just because I came up with one and a half seconds of content just now doesn't mean that I can <laughs> make this thing happen on the regular.
1: Well, no, you know, no, it's much if you want to we...
0: see that happen, then, uh, you know, pledge at one of those higher pledge numbers, and we'll see what we can do. <laughs> oh, speaking of, that reminds me,
2: um, because we also have goals, right?
0: Yes. Uh, we so have two we goals have two currently. Yeah. Uh, the first goal is when we reach $75 of pledges per month. Uh, At $75, we will begin a monthly bonus podcast that at this point in time I'm calling Walking Through the Patreon Stargate.
2: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Super (laughs) original.
0: But in this podcast, we Mm -hmm. will actually review Stargate Infinity. Uh, Stargate Infinity is the non-canon cartoon that lasted, I think, just one season, about mm-hmm. 22, 23 episodes. Um, uh, I think it was first aired in Canada, and I don't know if it ever actually made it to the United States on <laughs> TV. The DVDs have. Um, uh-huh. They are notoriously terrible. Um Honestly, I haven't seen all of it yet, but uh, at $75 a month, if we get a total goal of $75 a month of pledges, we will uh, record a podcast going through those episodes on a monthly basis. Oh, boy. And uh, have fun with that. Uh, And Uh so Patreon (laughs) members will get access to that initially. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Mm -hmm. here's the really big one. Yeah. If we manage to get to $200 per month, if we get a goal of $200 a month, yep. then we will begin to look at what it would take and how we could uh, produce at least some of our episodes as a video cast. Um, so
2: that's where I thought to myself about sock puppets.
0: And there you go.
2: Hmm.
1: Yep.
0: So, so those are the goals, um, and you know, as Brent said, this is a work in progress, and this is a about a community, and you are part of the community. So, uh, by all means, uh, if you've got better ideas than us, because you know, Lord no knows, kidding. we don't have the best ideas always. No. Uh, <laughs> every once in a while, I come up with a decent one, but uh, you know, that's once in a while. No, it's <laughs> so, regular.
2: You do a good job. I'm just saying, we don't have the monopoly on good ideas.
0: That is definitely true. Yeah. Uh, So if you have good ideas, uh, or even ideas, we'll take ideas. Sure, Um, we'll take ideas. And, uh, you know, let us know. That's what this is about. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. That was that. That was that. Brent, I think we have talked enough about Patreon for right now. We sure have. And I think we should definitely dig into this episode. Let's do it. Okay. This episode, Maternal Instinct, is directed by Peter F. um uh, uh, It's W O E S T E. Honestly, I don't know how to pronounce that. I uh, wonder
2: if it's pronounced like Worcester, but like uh, like Worsta. an East Coast Worcester. Worcester. Anyway, uh, Worcester. Peter F. Worcester. <laughs> sure,
0: we'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, this is Peter's first of eleven. Of 11 directing credits for SG-1 that spans the rest of the season, the rest of the series. Uh, he also directed one episode of Atlantis. mm mm-hmm. um, But these uh, Stargate episodes are his only directing credits. Mm, uh, interesting. He's mostly known as a cinematographer. He mm-hmm. is credited as the director of photography for 94 of the 212-odd uh, SG-1 episodes. Mm-hmm. That goes the entire length of the series, so uh, he was right there with uh, Children of the Gods, and he'll be there for the last episode of the series as well. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. In addition to Stargate, he's worked on TV shows such as Neon Rider in 1992 and Sliders in 95, Mm -hmm. and plenty of other things. Uh, So that's Peter. Uh, The teleplay is by Robert C. Cooper. Uh, we've heard his name plenty of times before. He has written uh, several episodes this season, including Fair Game, Point of View, Dead Man Switch, The Devil You Know, and now This Maternal Instinct. And he's got one more episode this season.
2: And mm-hmm. uh, so Which he we're kind is run responsible run for
0: fifty percent of the next, the last episodes of this season.
1: <laughs> gotcha! <laughs> so
0: wow, that's a two. lot. It's just two after this one. Hmm. <clears throat> um, so if you want to know more about Robert Cooper, uh, please go ahead and listen to some of our past podcasts. That'd be
1: wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: we do have several guest actors in this episode. We've got Tony Amendola returning as Braytac.
2: Ricardo uh, Montalban. Uh,
0: it's Yay! not Ricardo Montalban. It's Tony Amendola, and it's Braytac, not Khan. But you call him whatever you need to call him.
2: I, that's how I keep it straight.
0: Okay. Uh, We have Terry Chen, who plays The Monk.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, He made his debut in a supporting role as Ben Fong Torres in the much-lauded film Almost Famous that was directed by Cameron Crowe back Mm -hmm. in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, He plays or played uh, Praxitiki Meng in the Amazon series The Expanse, which is happening right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been watching that series, and I... uh, didn't realize this until I read that, um, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, so this is what he looked like 20 years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: uh, <you know>. Yep. <laughs> and
0: then he's also been on shows like Jessica Jones, Van Helsing, and Continuum. Mm-hmm. We have Aaron Douglas, who played Yay! Moak. Uh, and I'm not going to speak a whole lot about Aaron Douglas. He's probably best known for playing Galen Tyrrell in Battlestar Galactica. Chief! Uh, this episode aired about three years or so before yeah. that. Yeah.
2: I, I was doing the math too. I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, well, this is just before BSG. Yeah. Um, uh, I saw, I saw him. He also plays, uh, in the television show Van Helsing. And I only know that because I was in a restaurant and it was playing on the television. And I was like, it's chief, it's chief Terrell. Although he looks, <laughs> he looks older. <clears throat> he looks a little bit older now.
0: Yep. Yep. um, I do believe that uh, despite the fact that Moak has died in this episode, uh, we'll see Aaron Douglas's face again, I think, as another Jaffa in a future episode. Um, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Yep. And then okay. finally, we have Carla Boudreau, who plays Oma DeSala. Mm-hmm. She was born in Vancouver, British Columbia. After high school, she became an international model, doing print catalogs and commercials for about 10 years. And then after that, Mm -hmm. she decided to shift into acting. Her first audition, she landed a role on the TV series Poltergeist, The Legacy, as Mm -hmm. Isabella back in 96. Mm -hmm. And then she proceeded to land roles in various TV shows like The Outer Limits uh, and the Millennium and Stargate SG-1 and The Chris Isaac Show. Mm-hmm. This is her only SG-1 credit. Mm-hmm. But, Brent, I yeah. am going to tease this just a little bit in that this will not be the last time we see Oma De Sala.
2: Oh. Oma okay. will return. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Cool.
0: So, Maternal Instinct, Brent, aired on February 25th, 2000.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, number one in the charts is I Knew I Loved You by Savage Garden.
2: Hit. I knew I loved you before I met you. I have a dream. Okay, sorry. Okay. <clears throat> All right, so this was on the top of the
0: charts a couple of weeks ago, um, and it fell off last week, and now it's back on top.
2: So, yeah. congratulations, nice. Savage
0: Garden, for getting back up there. Yeah. Uh, in the UK, they were listening to Pure Shores by All Saints.
2: All Saints. I remember them. I don't. I don't remember this song, but you know. But, so All Saints is like a quartet, all women quartet, I think. Hmm. Uh, kind of hip hop-ish. I think it's probably a good way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> hip hop ish <Okay. laughs> or maybe no no, no not hip hop more more like r&b um and uh so so since i don't know it we're going to queue it up for when you go through the box office but oh. yes i bet you this is going to be kind of a smooth slower slower jam
0: slow jam for pure so, shores
2: yeah like, so like go the, ahead the
0: sound and, of waves hitting the beach
2: something maybe pure all right so let's go. Let's. So what was in the box office while we listened to? Peter. Well,
0: okay, in the box office for November or February 25th, 2000, we have the whole nine yards is number one. Mm-hmm. Snow Day jumps up from four to number two. Reindeer Games is a brand new uh, movie this week as number three. Hanging Up falls from number two to number four, and Pitch Black sticks on the top five in that number five position. Gotcha.
1: Okay.
0: Yep. And uh, you know what was happening this week at this time and basically absolutely nothing.
2: <laughs> well we got we, we were really, really anxious about Y2K just a few months ago. Yeah, that, and now good. that it's now that it's now that we're in it, like and nothing happened, everybody's just like like letting out a big sigh of relief.
0: Yeah, I, I'm like, sure that's what it is.
2: Just staying uh, home.
0: So what I, The only thing I really have is on February 23rd, a couple of days before this, you had the 42nd Annual Grammy Awards,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: Christina Aguilera wins uh, best song, probably. Smooth. Wins a thing. Wins a thing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we don't have very much trivia for this episode either, Brent. No? <laughs>
2: uh, well, let's... Uh, let's but, what, what, uh, what do Colonel
0: got? Jack O'Neill does tell Jackson to slow down, grasshopper. And uh, this is really only important for us because Grasshopper was the nickname of David Carradine's character in Kung
2: Fu. Yes, the connection continues. The
0: connection continues. And this in series and not just simply out of series.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And of course, David Carradine uh, reprises his role in Kung Fu. The legend continues.
2: The legend continues. uh, (laughs) Well, the legend continues. You know so what? I've been saying are. this enough times. Let me, me let me make another note here. Let me write because I've said it too many times already. I need to at least theoretically put eyes to Kung Fu: The Legend Continues, so I can speak more authoritatively about its quality.
0: Okay, all right. Well, um, as you do that, um, uh, I will. Well, I'm say making a note. There, there are uh, a couple of goofs in this episode, if you will, um, mostly revolving. The uh, the uh, telekinesis of Daniel, you can see a couple of the strings along the way when he releases huh, the couldn't. guns. You know <laughs> um, what? Well, you you, you were wearing, watching it in super standard. Depth. Yeah, I was
2: watching it in just SD, <laughs> so I didn't see anything at all. It looked yeah. like it was like, woo. Um, <laughs>
0: uh, also, I will say I've noticed this for a long time, and this has irritated me all the time. Is that? Uh, on the candle that gets lit, you can actually see oh, yeah. the, the, the uh, barb that makes the spark there. And I'm like, oh, come on. You could have twisted that candle 90 degrees, and then that would have been hidden behind the wick, and you wouldn't have been able to see it. Couldn't you have done well, that?
2: Um, and again, in the SD version, uh, the only real indicator that that was a, a little gas lamp was the way that the flame behaved.
0: Well, right, yeah. Like, you know, like also, as soon as it popped on. Also, in in shots of the candle, when it was just simply lit, you could tell it was a candle because the wax was beginning to melt. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you had a close-up of the candle getting lit by itself, you could tell that it was a plastic base oil candle. And I'm like,
2: oh. Yeah. You know.
0: All right. That's that's, that's my (laughs) own.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, you know, we get to... We get Daniel thinking he's becoming an all-powerful god there in the middle, so, you know.
0: Ah, yes, well. It's all good. Well, you know, but he's going to use his power for good.
2: Oh, sure. Absolutely.
0: All right. So, maternal instinct, here comes the synopsis. Are you ready? Super ready. All right. The gate spins. The iris closes. The guards rush into place to protect the SGC from whatever may come through the gate. A GDO code is sent. The iris opens. And Braytac stumbles through, holding up a badly injured Jaffa. Help us, he says. Oh, no. The young Jaffa, Moak, is rushed into surgery. Sadly, he'll die later. Tilk, along with the rest of SG-1, rush over to check in with Braytac. Apophis, controlling the forces of Sokar, has just attacked Chulak. It was a slaughter. Apophis has shown the system lords and everyone else that he is the most powerful guawuld. The news of Apophis' life is shocking to O'Neill and the rest of SG-1, but there are far more effective ways of annihilating Chulak than sending ground forces. So why do that? As the team discusses it they conclude that Apophis was searching for information on the whereabouts of the Harsis' child the son born between Apophis and Amunet the son Amunet hid from her enemies on Keb after Apophis's previous downfall the boy that Daniel has been tasked to find for this whole ep- this whole series uh, the whole thing season season as Braytek and Daniel discuss things, they come up with a likely address for Keb. And without further ado, the team gears up to head to Keb. SG2 accompanies the team with, and guards the gate on Keb, while Braytek and SG1 search for the child. Mm-hmm. While tracking, they discover evidence of eight Jaffa. Tilk counted only six sets of tracks, but he is corrected by the master, Braytek. Two went scouting ahead and brought back a woman. They headed into the forest. While searching the forest, they find the bodies of the Jaffa scorched and burnt to a crisp. But strangely, nothing around them appears burnt. Only the bodies. Breitak then finds the body of a female priestess from Chulak. He concludes that she tried to escape with the child from the Jaffa. She was shot in the back and killed. After that, someone or something killed the Jaffa pursuers. But what happened to the boy, he cannot tell. Eventually, the team discovers a Buddhist-like temple. Recognizing the place as sacred ground, Daniel and Braytac convince O'Neil to enter the building cautiously and without weapons. Sort of. Inside, they right. are surprised by a monk in simple robes. Daniel tries to talk to the monk. The monk replies in riddles. Jack's snarkel meter goes through the roof. <laughs> The monk talks about Oma Desala, the center of his religion, which Daniel translates as Mother Nature. And trusting in Oma Desala and guided by the monk, Daniel discovers innate abilities of telekinesis and pyrokinesis. The rest of the team is unconvinced that this is simply Daniel learning new tricks. Uh, Carter wants to bring equipment to search for hidden technology. Daniel ponders, couldn't it be possible for us to advance to a higher level? Couldn't it? Meanwhile, Apophis' force land on the planet. Thousands of Jaffa are swarming, looking for the child in this temple complex. Time is running out before SG-1's position is compromised. They need to find the child, and quickly. Daniel is convinced that Oma Dasala is training him so that he can protect the boy once they find him. Jack and Sam set up defenses as best they can. Daniel sees some kind of ethereal glow, leading him through a wall into a chamber where the Harses' child lays. The Jaffa approach. Daniel discovers that all the power he had wasn't really his, but Oma de Salas. She can protect the boy, and she is willing to do so. The Jaffa surround the temple. SG-1 and the Jaffa are at a standoff, neither side willing to surrender to the other. The monk walks into the midst of his telling the Jaffa that they are not welcome, and he is immediately shot and killed. Daniel rushes out with his hands raised. Drop your weapons, he calls out, and Jack agrees with him, looking at the Jaffa. But Daniel says he's talking to SG-1. They should drop their weapons. Trust him. Alma Dasala has all the power, Put your weapons down. SG-1 and Braytac trust Daniel. They set their weapons carefully upon the ground, and suddenly the clouds cover the glowing moon. A bright light flashes all around, stopping the staff blasts heading straight for SG-1. Lightning strikes, and the Jaffa aggressors are reduced to charred remains. As the situation calms down, they see the monk's body disappear as he seems to turn into the same type of being as Oma De Sala. Oma De Sala takes the child through the Stargate to places unknown, and SG-1 returns home. The end.
2: The end. So, Brent. Mm-hmm.
0: Maternal instinct. Mm-hmm. What'd you think?
2: It was all right. Um. So, after having watched the episode and thinking back on it, I was realizing that the things that I liked the most about it had... <sighs> Not quite a lot to do with story. I liked, uh, I liked how it looked Um, visually. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was, uh, constantly thinking about how much time it, it, you know, I'm confident that it didn't take as much time as I thought it would for the set to get created, but I did notice they were filming on a song on a soundstage with that temple. Uh, I was able to notice that because they screwed up the, um, green screen sky a little bit. The trees were moving in a way that didn't sync with the camera, but whatever. Um, uh, but they put effort into it and it looked pretty good. Um, and again, again, I have to also confess I was watching this in kind of an SD mode. So, you know, I don't know. I might have just been fooled, but whatever. I thought it looked good. <laughs> um, and uh, it was nice to see Braytac and it was uh, it was fun to have a bit of a... Um, you know, a Far East flair to the mythology this time. And I will admit I'm a bit of a sucker for some of that Kumbaya stuff that, uh, you know, like the, the whole speaking in riddles and you must, you must let go of the thing that you need to let go of and take off your socks before <laughs> stepping onto my burning sand. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, know. have was... walking
0: a long time in these boots. It might yeah, be a better idea if I just keep yeah. these puppies on.
2: <laughs> there, there was some good dialogue. Oh, and there was also really good, I liked the really good snappy dialogue between um, Michael Shanks and Richard Dean Anderson. In, in, there was one very specific scene, one shot, where it was uh, a style of dialogue, which I became aware of, that kind of got popularized in... Um, I can I don't think it was in noir films, but it was like in the 30s or 40s. But it was very just like, bam, bam, bam. Like the lines were right on top of each other, and right. uh, they did a really, really good job with that. And it was a lot of fun. I like the I like the 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 witty repartee between them. Um, and you know, oh, you know what I was wondering, and you didn't bring it up, and I don't know if this was in the Illustrated Companion or not. Was that baby actually Michael Shanks's kid? No. Oh, interesting. Uh,
0: they actually had twin babies. Uh, for that that played yeah. that uh now his his actual daughter right. uh, would have been about that age. And it yeah, talked about that in the Illustrated Companion. Mm-hmm. Uh and so, you know, Michael Shanks was certainly used to dealing with uh, the babies, and there were a couple of shots where the baby kind of reaches out and grabs his shirt and such yeah, that, yeah. that that, were definitely spontaneous things that baby did that you couldn't have predicted or planned, but they happened to get it on film, and uh, it was really quite nice.
2: Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was a warm fuzzy. I liked it, and I did like the whole, like, I love the episodes. It was kind of kind of like with the Knox as well, where where, you know, this is an alien race that is going to do just fine right like right they're they're fine they don't need they don't need anybody's help they don't need anything like but but they also are aloof they're you know like you tell me that there's a spoiler we'll see this alien again that's great but you know there's also this kind of intangibility of like uh you know here's here's another group of people that are going to be just fine so that was kind of nice too yeah
1: um
2: but then there was kind of some stuff in here that which was kind of like you know like i said the things that i liked about it had to do with uh how it was shot um how it was composed how the set was built um some of the some of the lines uh and sort of the theme overall but then there was the actual meat and potatoes of the story and it was kind of you know kind of i don't know boring i mean like they tried to make it exciting <laughs> but it it was and it kind of no i didn't really get excited <laughs> Kind of a snoozer, um, which is not the worst thing, but you know, I mean, whatever, that's not that th- you don't get points for being a snoozer, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Well, and
0: there's truth to that,
2: yeah. And Bray Tech's you know role in this particular story was, um, you know, I mean, it wasn't that inspiring, uh, you know, and so it felt like a bit of a little bit of waste of screen time for a beloved character, hmm. uh. And that's not a big sin. They, you know, they, they illustrated, uh, you know, how he's masterful uh, by, you know, telling the young whippersnapper that uh, he can't count tracks in the sand and also that uh, he is uh, young and spry or no, you know, he was constantly talking about how old he is at 140 or whatever he said uh, and making some, you know. Jokes that were supposed to make us go, oh, he's so <laughs> he's been <laughs> wanting to see this thing since so for 80 years. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I mean, it didn't feel like it was a very good use of the character. I don't know. Sure. Like, maybe I was, you know, expecting more. But uh, and then there was just a couple of oddities that I was noticing, like, uh, you know, once it was revealed that um, DeSala was the one that was actually controlling the situation, not Daniel. Uh, it made me sort of think back on those scenes, and the one in particular which kind of stuck out was the one where the gun floated in the air, and Daniel was like, "Actually, I was the one who did that," because it kind of inferred then that um, that Dasala knew what Daniel wanted to do in that moment, which mm-hmm. then implies like mind reading, and then it, it got complicated. And I was just like, "Wait, what? Wait, how? What?" And none of that was really explained. Um, but yeah. that's not the end of the world. And I did notice though, Zach. Yes. That apparently Dasala and his, her it's race are able to dial the gate instantly. Mm. Like there was no Chevron, nothing. And all of a sudden, bing, the gate turned on and she goes flying through it. Yeah. Just saying. Yep. Just saying. Yep. I I, I, I just, I just noticed that. Yep. Uh, that's the long and the short of the stuff that stood out to me. What about you? What'd you think?
0: Well, okay. So as I watch this episode, Uh, I am blessed with the knowledge of what comes in the series afterwards. And so um, this is a very significant episode for the direction of Stargate moving forward. And I can't say much more than that uh, without going into significant spoilers. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... Uh, there, there's that going on. I find this episode to be kind of dull and boring. Overall, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there mm-hmm. are some good things about it. I really enjoyed the scenes, uh, when Teal'c and Braytek are tracking things in the forest, and they talk through things, and and sh- shows his mastery. Uh, I really like that. That's some that's some good stuff there. I like really like the the as you mentioned the the interplay between uh O'Neill and Jackson, as, mm-hmm. as uh, they're talking about things, uh, you really get Jacks, uh, uh, Colonel O'Neill's um uh, meter going through the roof and, <laughs> and just playing into this. Um, you know, the, the uh, riddles of, of the monk are kind of neat. I will say one thing that I really did not appreciate, and I think it had mostly to do with the way it was shot, um, mm-hmm. two things about this. Uh, early on in the episode, while they're still in the SGC, uh, Braytek and Teal'c are talking, and Braytek is saying, oh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I'm so tired and old and da-da-da. And, yeah. and, and at that point in time, I just, I didn't quite buy it. Uh, it just didn't feel right that, that uh, the, the acting, uh, you know, I didn't feel the, the weight of that on him. Um, -hmm. I I felt that the weight could have been there, but I think that Tony could have done a better job of just in bringing out that weight. Uh, and some of that may not be all Tony's fault, uh, Mm -hmm. because the way it was shot was headshot, 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 headshot. Uh, and and so as they were talking, it was just going back and forth. And I especially did not like the shots of Teal at that point in time because, It was just his head, and the background was completely dark. So Mm -hmm. all you get is Teal'c's head saying these lines, and it felt to me like... Uh, Christopher Judge was standing in that room way over there doing his lines and oh. <laughs> Tony Amendola was over here in, in this room yeah. doing his lines yeah. and <laughs> then in post they cut it together and yeah. it just didn't feel to me like it was an actual conversation between these two men uh, mm. who have a very strong relationship together and you yeah. could, I yeah. could buy that Braytack if he were feeling those feelings would uh, would talk to Teal'c about that. That I bought. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I just thought it was shot poorly, uh, and, and those emotions did not come out through for me. But later on, as Braytac is sitting next to Daniel, and they're talking to the monk, and this is this historic place where, where Jaffa can go to die, to seek their religious uh, oneness with the universe, whatever that mm-hmm. means. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's a hint, a little, little touch there. Apparently there's a, uh, there is a religious uh, realm, there's some religious quality to Jaffa that is beyond simply worshipping uh, the, the Gua'uld.
1: Yeah, that's a good um, point. Which is fascinating.
0: We don't really go into that. But he's sitting there, and the monk says, you have an evil inside of you, and you can't continue this process if you don't get rid of it. And he's like, Mm -hmm. so in order for me to continue, I have to be willing to die. And the monk's like, well, yep, pretty much. That's the way it goes. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, then uh, Braytac says, you know what? I'm not ready for that. And he comes out, and he's reinvigorated, and he talks to Teal. Those moments... That, I'm like, that's good stuff. I really enjoyed mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm, but the mm-hmm. early stuff, I kind of, it didn't work for me. And I think mostly it was because of the way it was shot. Um, the two characters were too distant for that kind of relationship, that kind of mm-hmm. revelation uh, in that. Um,
2: yeah, I, I found that, uh, that that particular piece of the story, in hindsight, was a little confusing. In the middle of the episode, didn't feel like it mattered a whole lot. So I thought that all of that dialogue about Braytac, you know, saying, well, you know, I'm kind of an old man now. And it's kind of this is this, i, I I'm round of the bend on my last adventure, basically. Right. I thought that was prelude to what I thought was going to be a different resolution in that scene with the monk. Right. Where I thought that in order to find this all important child, that Braytek was going to make that decision. That he was going to remove his symbiote and bravely struggle as the ferocious warrior that he is, uh, uh, even though it means his demise. Right? Mm. Like I thought that yeah. was kind of the direction that they were going to set this episode up. Like this was going to be the last time I see Braytac. That it was going to be a heroic death in service of a better, of a, of a bigger good. Uh, and then it kind of just petered out. At least, and 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 hearing you talk about it puts a better and different spin on it than I was seeing it, but it wasn't, I didn't get too distracted because it was very clearly like not the direction that the story was going. They were not going to be telling the story of Braytax' heroic death today. It was right. going to be something else, but, um, but it, it, in my viewing, it kind of ended up sort of taking a bit of a turn that I, that I, I just wasn't really there for it, it. It was okay, but I didn't follow it. Sure.
0: Sure. Um, You know, the, the things that, that the things that I really like about this episode um, has to do with what it sets up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- this this is an episode that is all about world building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, there are some episodes where it's just you know a romp through the park. You know, ergo was one of those episodes, right? Where, oh yeah, where it's just hey, let's take a pause from whatever the grand story is and let's you know have fun with this. But this episode is, is all about setting up new lines uh, of things and connecting it to the old. So, you know, we, we were reintroduced to Apophis. We saw, last time we saw mm-hmm. Apophis was in The Devil You Know, and he's like, whoa, he's alive, and Sokar's dead. Well, now we right. know he's got control of that army, and he's willing to use it. And he is, uh, at least his name, is, is a super bad uh, bad guy going on there you know he means he's willing to uh you know annihilate his home base previously uh mm-hmm. for the sake of this um you know he's looking for the child um you know then we find the harsis's child right amanet sharae died and Share says daniel go find the boy and now he finds the boy and he realizes that he has to give the boy up to uh, oma and uh, mm-hmm. go on from there um and then, uh, the whatever comes next from that, and I can't talk more about that. Um, sure, is, is stuff, uh, and and so the way this sets things up and draws from the past and, and pushes us forward, I really appreciate. Um, uh, we learn more about uh, uh, we learn more about Oma's race, her species. Uh, and what that means and does, and uh, you mentioned mind reading and such and being able to open the the uh, the gate uh, those are questions that uh, if not explicitly will be at least implicitly answered in future episodes mm-hmm. um, so okay. uh, there you go:
2: There was one thing else that I remembered you were mentioning Apophis and his army, and he's willing to use it um I, I, am, I am consciously suspending my disbelief in order to enjoy the show. Okay. But again, we've got the might of Apophis in the form of his, of, of, of his most trusted foot soldiers capable of taking out an entire, well, nearly an entire planet. I don't know. Did, we, did they take out all of Chulak? Whatever. Like,
0: Chulak still exists, but they certainly yeah, wiped but, out a whole ton of people there
2: capable of wiping out a whole ton of people on Shulak stomping through the dark forest with lanterns I mean I get it there were their staff weapons but you know it's just like and I also get it visually you know you need to shoot the thing so that you can see that you're the bad guys coming but it's just like these guys are idiots like (laughs) 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 I'm going through the forest hope nobody's trying to shoot me but I'm gonna hold a big light (laughs) saying here I am Uh, like, it, it it could be the bravado
0: of saying, you know what, you know exactly where I am, and that still can't stop
2: me. It, it, the um, then they're idiots because we have had ample moments where they have been completely stopped <laughs> by by standard Earth ballistic or uh, uh, um kinetic weaponry like right. uh, yeah. that, and a little C four can take down an entire uh, take down an entire warship. Um, you know, like. It, Again, I, I'm I'm beating on a drum which I am j- enjoying beating on because I, it's just you know it's giving me joy. It's 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 making me happy, uh, and I'm willing to let it go to say like you know all right fine you know Apophis is terrible and he's got a gigantic army now. It's the most right. powerful army in the system lords, and here we go. If,
0: if no, I I really don't disagree with your analysis therein. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I come up with some of the same. Uh, struggles there. But if I were to play, uh, well, let me retcon this or try to, you know, massage what's happening. Uh sure. Let me try this. Okay. Um One of the things that we learned about Sokar's army is that it was enormous. And now yes. we have the sadistic quality of Apophis in charge of this. Um, and he is willing to throw... Uh, mm-hmm. everybody <laughs> in the kitchen sink at this and doesn't really care, You're like, like, uh, uh I, I guess I don't know for sure if it's still true, uh, probably it is. Um, but when I was a kid, they were talking about, uh, in China, if they were to line up everybody between the ages of like 18 and 25 on the borders sure. of China. And they just stood there. There would be so many of them that uh, they would be able to withstand just about anything, um, and it wouldn't matter. Uh, yeah. You know, um, and you know that might have been hyperbole. Uh, it might not have been. I don't know. But but that type of thing is kind of what what I think. Office is doing or the implication sure. here is that he's got so many troops right now he right. can literally just pour them into the meat grinder until the meat grinder finally breaks and then he'll walk <laughs> over it
2: <laughs> so yeah so 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 he's in charge of an army of like say billions of trained soldiers with weapons uh and though they might be easy pickings for uh our our heroic are, are plucky heroes, um, the, the the war of attrition method is Apophis' preferred uh, tactic, and he's going to use it as much as he can.
0: Possibly. Um, yeah. And, of course, there were sufficiently enough troops here that, uh, at, you know, Colonel O'Neill was seriously concerned because he's like, well, this is not going to end well. We are eventually going to get overrun because we cannot stop all of these
2: yeah oh yeah 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 Uh, yeah eventually you run out of bullets but uh until you do
1: (laughs) (laughs) you
2: know (laughs) it's a one for one right now
1: (laughs) but if you how many rounds
2: do you have you know that's how many bodies (laughs) if
0: if you have a hundred bullets and you shoot a hundred guys but he happens to have a hundred and fifty other guys yeah yeah no it's uh, yeah no i get it i I, I appreciate it i'm just saying i'm just saying yeah absolutely um, yeah, I guess that's really all I have to say about, uh, this fun filled episode. Um, <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's, fine. It, it, it's a perfectly fine episode. It's, it's not exciting. Um, but there's a lot of stuff in here that is important. And if you actually mm-hmm. wanted to know, if you cared about the meta story of the whole series, you cannot skip this episode mm-hmm.
1: for anything. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And now okay. I'm giving way too much away. but Well, I mean, you, you are, but you aren't,
2: right? Like, uh, when we get to the ratings, I'm going to stick with what I was originally thinking, because I didn't know any of that. Yeah. Um, but it is enjoyable. It's a little like I was talking with friends of mine the other day about um, how when you watch old classic movies, sometimes it's extremely helpful to listen to somebody who is knowledgeable about why that movie is significant. Talk about why that movie is significant because otherwise you're just kind of left, you know, absorbing it, but out of its context and not particularly understanding its moment. Um, You know, this episode, I will, like I said, I'll shoot, I'll I'll take when it's time for the ratings, I'll give it right exactly where I was going to go with it. Not anymore, but I'm glad to hear that this thing is actually the prelude or setting up the foundation to more interesting story down the line. Yeah, that sounds cool.
0: Yeah, the uh, your your comment there about movies is actually true with a lot of classical music. Um, Mm, mm -hmm. You know, uh, classical music is not designed to just be listened to once on the radio. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. designed so that you actually study it and examine it and see where in the music it does X and Y and such. And when Mm -hmm. you do that, you go back and you listen to the music, and now you understand what it's trying to do um, Mm -hmm. for the significance therein. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, there you go. Okay. Nice. Well then Brent, Mm-hmm. maternal instincts mm-hmm. out of seven chevrons, how many does it get?
2: I ended the episode feeling vaguely positive, but I was feeling positive because there was clearly a lot of work put into making this an entertaining episode, but the story itself was kind of meh. Um, I also thought that was a bit of. Uh, wasted effort in bringing our beloved Ricardo Ricardo Montalban to the screen uh only to kind of have him kind of walk around and go I count these many footsteps like you know it was eh. mm-hmm. could have been better um I'm excited to hear that this is the opening round of something that is going to be more exp- or more explored. That sounds cool. But uh, when I finished watching the episode, I did not know that that was happening. It didn't give me really any indication that this was going to occur. It really did feel a bit like an isolated moment, honestly. So out of seven, I'm going to give this four chevrons. Um normally if I give something a four, it's usually kind of on the down foot or downbeat or I don't know, the downer. Uh no, this is more like a no it's, 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 you know, it's all right. You know, if it if it came on again, would I watch it all the way through? I don't know. Um but uh, you know, if 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 there was, you know if if I was having the typical cable conundrum of nothing being on and that was on, I'd watch it, sure. You know? There you like go. I wouldn't skip it. So, you know, four. Four. How about you, Zach? All right. What do you think?
0: Well I have to make a decision. Yeah. <laughs> um, do because, you go with
2: knowing what it does, or do you go with it in isolation?
0: Yeah, that, that's that's exactly <laughs> the question. Uh-huh. Um, if if I rate this for just this episode as it is, without anything else, yeah, uh, I'd probably give it a four. Um, but also knowing how much this plays into the rest of the series, and how this begins something, um, do I give this episode a bump because of that? Mm-hmm. And think I will. I'm going to give okay. this five right. chevrons.
2: Nice, okay.
0: Um, because I, I, it, it's a perfectly fine episode in and of itself, but this is an episode that... You really want to watch if you want to know what the whole narrative is. And if you mm-hmm. skip this, you're going to miss pieces. Yes, it would f- you'd, you'd catch up eventually. Um, mm-hmm. But this is a significant piece. So I'm going to give this five chevrons.
2: Nice. All right. Okay.
0: And we do have, Brent, a couple of predictions – uh, Arnott and David uh, both yeah. gave us predictions, and to both of them, I say thank you very much. They thank are you, faithful yes. in giving those predictions to us.
2: Absolutely.
0: Uh, one of these days, we'll see what happens. Here is Arnott. He says, I must uh-huh. say that spoiler, spoiler in spoiler was spoiler, 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 just
2: a bit spoiler. <laughs> are you editing this, or did he actually write no, that No, that's actually what he wrote. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs>
0: I predict that Brent will rate Maternal Instinct 3 out of 7 chevrons and be generally uh-huh. dissatisfied with, its, with it despite its continuation of the Harsesis arc. Yeah. Zach, who already knows how this episode fits into the larger story of uh-huh. SD one and will likely say as much, will rate it 4 and 1 half chevrons.
2: Very close. Very, very close. uh, You know
0: what? I was tempted. I was trying to do I give it the four? Do I give it the five? Do I give it the four and a half? And I fell to the five. That makes sense. That's close. Yep. Well done. Yeah. Very close. Well Well done. done. Yes. Uh, David uh, comes in and he is trying to avoid Chevron encoding bias and he does a good job. (laughs) Uh, Ah. He says, Love this episode, but mainly because I know the future. Brent, Uh this is an important episode. He predicts uh-huh. that I will give it 6 chevrons uh-huh, because
1: uh-huh, he uh-huh. knows
0: the future too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Brent will give it 5 chevrons because he does not know
2: the future. <laughs> very 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 close. Uh, Good job. Nice You know, you know done. and
0: and those numbers are, you know, they're one ahead of what we had, but, uh, they're, yeah, but the, they're they're the, the right, reasoning yeah. there it fits mm-hmm. right there.
1: Uh, yep.
0: I, I, I enjoy money. reading how people predict us and, and, and what, yeah, what no, they think. Yeah, know this is fun. I find that this is just fun. delightful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Brent. Yes? The next episode, the penultimate episode of season three, mm-hmm. is called Crystal Skull. hmm And so I ask you, dear friend, <laughs> what is Crystal Skull about?
2: Okay. Uh, all right. <clears throat> Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. But trapped on this world is an old archaeologist named Illinois Smith. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dr. Smith, I presume? <laughs> says.
0: It's Livingston, Dr. come on,
2: it's Livingston <laughs> Whatever, okay, yeah, uh, Illinois Livingston Okay, alright uh, You see the, uh, the, an old, forgotten Archaeologist named Illinois Livingston Dr. Livingston, I presume Says Dr. Jackson What? Who's calling after me? Says Dr. Livingston Why is Dr. Livingston trapped in this world? Well, see, he jumped through the gate also back in the 40s when they sent, what's his face, Herman or Mildred. I can't remember what his name was. (laughs) off to, to Tarsus or Tarnassus. I can't remember Tarnation. Uh, and uh, but they didn't document it on film and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they sent him off to research the origin of ancient Egypt for, you know, because storyline. Um, and he got stuck. And while he was there, he discovers an ancient mythological alien based group of what crystal skull. And he uncovers the crystal skull and is filled with vodka. And, and anyway, um, so <laughs> join us next time on Stargate SG One, Crystal Skull.
0: Okay. Well, you know that that's uh, fabulous.
2: Are we gonna Are we gonna meet uh, Illinois Livingston?
0: Well, we won't meet Illinois Livingston. <laughs> Let's watch the
2: promo. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like I hope I I. You know, obviously, I kind of take a shining to my own uh, stupid names that I give these characters, right? But uh, uh, I don't know if anybody else in the world came up with Illinois Livingston, but uh, that's the thing that I'm going to have in my head now. There you go. So, Let's yeah.
0: watch this, and then we'll see. Then we can talk. Okay. All right, are you ready? Yes. Hit and go now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. No, that's a
1: crystal skull. Ooh. How do you know? Because it's exactly like the one found in 1971 in Belize by my grandfather. A oh, mysterious well, artifact has dire
2: consequences for Daniel Jackson.
1: As for mm. Dr. Jackson, Colonel,
2: he never returned. He is no longer there to the Wait, what? The skull enveloped him in an energy field. <gasps> what
1: happened? Whoa! The team reaches out to the only person who may be able to
2: help them. Daniel followed my footsteps. He made a fool of himself. Wait a minute, there's an old archaeologist. (laughs) It's all next time on Sparking SG-1. Wow, got some CG action going on there. Yes. Awesome. I was not, I mean, I was not on, but I was not that far off either. You know, and that's what I wanted to say. It's like,
0: uh, you know, you missed a lot of points. Absolutely did. But, you know, you got the old archaeologist, you got (laughs) another planet, We'll talk uh-huh. more about how that happens. You got something um, Stargate, with, you know, the Crystal Skull. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You didn't make any connections. Uh, you made connections to vodka, and you didn't make any connections to South America. But, you know, that's okay. That's um, yeah, right. You know, you, you, know, you, you win some, you hit, lose some. You can't hit every ball that's pitched to you. No. You know.
2: Well, so. plus, I mean, isn't uh, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I mean, like that but that was also riffing on, it, I guess I take it then that there is a, is there a, archeological myth of a crystal skull in South America, right? Um, like,
0: okay. So did you remember the fourth Indiana Jones movie that nobody likes to talk about?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's what I was. Yes. That's, that's what I was referencing.
0: The, it's the same, uh, archeological, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. History myth stories I, that, I that ask they're drawing
2: it, on. Yeah. I ask it in that way because I did not remember, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, in, uh, Indiana Jones and the, um, uh, you know, Crystal Skull. In, no, no. What was the? For, not Temple of Doom. What was it?
0: <laughs> uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark.
2: Thank you. Um, you know, they were talking about the Ark of the Covenant, which, of course, was is this archaeological. Uh, um, you know, it's like the it's the well, geez, it's the whole thing. It's the it's the it's the um, unattainable uh, archaeological. Um...
0: It's not quite the Holy Grail, because but I was trying third...
2: <laughs> to avoid the Holy Grail.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you were getting stuck. I needed to help you out.
2: I was getting stuck. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Yes. Great. Crystal Skull.
0: Yeah. So we will nice. uh, watch that next time. Um, yeah. Look Julie to it. will tell you mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, after you watch this episode and you give it your chevrons, there is a mm-hmm. right answer. Oh. Okay. Um, okay. No pressure. No pressure. Uh, uh, to be fair, I am going to allow you to. Uh, dwell and revel in Crystal Skull, uh, wherever you fall in that. Um, <laughs> I will not say anything more about myself. Okay, uh, but uh, I yeah. So that's Crystal Skull. That's next week. All right. Week on Excellent. That. So uh, thanks again to David for putting together.
1: Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Promo, um,
0: and we'll go from there so uh, mm-hmm. tell us what you think about Maternal Instinct tell us what you think about uh, Brent's prediction of the Crystal Skull tell us what you think <laughs> about uh, whatever give us your ideas of who could sponsor our show whether that's mm-hmm. Asgard or even the Wuld. I suppose we'll take their money too uh, I'm oh, the opportunity um, whatever it is let us know send those to us um, join us on Patreon. you know. Please consider yeah. uh, uh, supporting the show in that way. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. All of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and until next time, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time.
2: Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.